Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's podcast Friday. Like, how does it get any better? It really doesn't. (laughs) It is a beautiful day. And looking forward to our next guest, because I think the topic is going to be very timely with what's going on in the world these days. Yeah, totally agree. And I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. If you read my posts on LinkedIn, you'll hear me say it over and over. One of the greatest things about having a podcast is you get to pause in your day and actually connect and talk to someone. And that's not only when you're recording the podcast, but when you're reaching out to people, you're going to meet some fantastic people. I'm always surprised people don't jump on the podcast bandwagon because it is such a fantastic way to just cut out the noise and and dive into some great conversations. And I'm sure we're going to get that today. So I wanted to introduce Laura Alfano, Victoria, and Laura is the Vice President Global Talent Acquisition at Vita Solutions. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, you know, I talked about reaching part of the podcast, our process is we reach out to people and we have a chemistry call to see if, you know, if it's going to be a good fit for the show. And And I think within about two minutes of us having a chat, I said, yes, this is someone I want to talk to. And even at the top of this, before we started hitting record, we thought, hey, this is a great time to be talking about some of this. But I want to maybe start at the beginning and then we can dive into, you know, more about where we are in the world and what's happening with talent acquisition and that sort of thing. But I'm always curious, how did you end up here, you know, at this point in your career? I love this question. I actually... I've had a chance to reflect on this. You know, I think when you get to a certain age and stage in life, you do this sort of look in the rearview mirror and think about all the things that brought you to where you are today. And I think I'm probably like a lot of talent acquisition professionals. I literally fell into this. I had the best of intentions when I finished my undergrad, best of intentions to go out and go to law school or pursue a master's in forensic psychology and take a very different path than the one that I've been on for the last 20 plus years. And life circumstances sort of necessitated me to go out and start working and start my life. And I'm really happy that things worked out the way they did, because I I feel like I've had a very rewarding career, but I literally fell into this. And I think I fell into talent acquisition at a time where it was just sort of this emerging discipline within the HR space. And it was very raw and untouched. And I've been fortunate over the last 20 plus years to really see how the TA space has evolved, how it's evolved in the craft and the sophistication and the sort of adjacent systems and techniques. And it's been a really, really rewarding journey. I've spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 organizations, I've touched all different aspects 
of talent acquisition. So talent acquisition, delivery, talent acquisition, operations. I've worked across the globe here in North America. I've had responsibility for Latin America, done some great stuff in Europe and Asia Pacific. I moved out of delivery more into leadership and supported organizations through big mergers and integrations and sort of bringing new teams on, sort of taking on recruitment for new business lines, helping to go out and build brand awareness in different markets, implementing new systems. I feel like I'm fortunate in that I've touched it all in the TA space. And now as of today, I serve as the vice president of global talent acquisition for Venice Solutions. We are a SaaS-based organization in the corporate performance management space. What that really means is we develop and provide software solutions that help companies budget, forecast, and plan more effectively. Very cool. And it's amazing when I have these conversations with very successful people, and a lot of them tell me I actually fell into this. I've kind of found there's a theme though. Even though people tell me they fell into where they ended up in the career. And it was the same from the conversation I had with you initially when we first spoke on the phone. These people are going to be successful no matter what they do. So even though they may have fallen into something, there's something about these people that make them successful and they end up like you having these really successful careers. So that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, I've encountered very similar individuals over my career. You know, 20 plus years recruiting and interviewing, you come across a lot of personalities and different types of individuals. And what I've sort of encountered in these folks who fall into something and make the successful career is there's all this sort of very driven type A personalities that were going to make it no matter what. They were going to do well, no matter what they ended up you know, deciding their career path to be. Laura, you had, uh, in our conversation previous to this, you had talked a little bit about that you're a curious person. So I want to ask you a little bit about that and in your line of work, what is it that you're curious about and, and maybe more importantly, why? I am a curious person. I think I have a natural love of learning and I discovered that recently over the last couple of years, I, I spent time pursuing a master's degree in HR management and, and it just really sort of reignited my love of learning. But I am curious about a lot of different topics outside of my day-to-day job, but even within sort of my discipline. I'm really curious and interested in labor market dynamics and the different sort of external forces that come together to influence what we experience as talent professionals, because there is a ton of that happening right now. And as you both mentioned, as we started this call or this conversation, and we started to talk about what's happening in the world, I think we're seeing it in action right now over the last few weeks as we're sort of seeing this shift in the market in terms of the supply and demand of talent. I do have a real natural curiosity around these different elements. And and I've I've spent a lot of time over the last two years in particular, because it's it's been really interesting, really trying to understand what's happening and how that translates into what we're experiencing as talent professionals. It was probably about a year ago not quite to the day, but roughly about 12 months ago, where we started to really see some major changes in the market from a supply perspective in terms of availability of talent and the right kind of talent and this huge spike in demand. Speaking with peers of mine and other organizations, we had kind of come together in roundtables and everyone was sort of saying, geez, I've, I've got these jobs posted. I've got no applicants. Like no one is applying to these jobs. Where is everybody? What's going on? And none of us had really experienced this to this degree until that time. 
And it really sort of triggered in my mind, there's an explanation for all of this and what's in it. And I really started diving into some of the details around the labor market and sort of the trends that we were experiencing and, and observing. We saw this huge exodus of people post pandemic, you know, a lot of baby boomers who accelerated their exits and their retirement. So we had significant portion of the population exiting the workforce. We were starting to feel the effects of some of the pandemic initiated reductions in immigration in this country in particular, and others were experiencing it as well. And so we weren't replenishing our, our population and we had this sort of mass exodus of a lot of people. And then others who were just saying, you know what, corporate life isn't for me anymore. I've been doing this side hustle, it's now going to be my main hustle, and I'm done with the corporate world. And so we had that portion of the population now exiting. So our supply was coming down. And I really was kind of interested in understanding it so that I could then, you know, sort of formulate solutions and bring those back to my employer and say, like, here's how we tackle this. And suffice it to say, there's no easy answers, right? There really are no easy answers. I suspect we will continue to have some degree of supply issues over the next few years as more baby boomers exit the marketplace. But we're seeing things shift a little bit. And so, you know, we're starting to see supply come up a little bit. I think over the last year and change, maybe the last 12 to 18 months, we saw a lot of employers really scrambling to hire people to meet their, you know, sort of their demand for talent and doing some pretty drastic things to attract talent, right? really overextending themselves in terms of salary benefits and other rewards for individuals. And it worked for them in the short term, but our economy is changing and it's changing very, very quickly. And I think we're starting to see the repercussions of having acted with a degree of, I don't know, I don't want to call it desperation, but acting perhaps a little bit, a little bit desperate in offering some exorbitant salaries and overextending themselves financially. And now with the economy changing, I think a lot of organizations are having to take that very unfortunate step back and make some difficult decisions to reduce their workforce because they're simply overextended in the context of an evolving economy. I think you used the word desperation there. I think it's kind of appropriate because I agree that uh, in many cases, that's exactly what happened. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe some ideas that you might have to overcome some of this? You had mentioned before, you know, maybe some government initiatives and or investment in the younger generations to try and address this. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I'm very happy to. I mean, there are things that we can do at a sort of a company level. And then I think there are things that we need to do at a more macro level and how we encourage our governments to invest more heavily in bringing over foreign talent, making it easier for organizations to do so. Because let's face it, it's not easy. And here in Canada in particular, we've got some natural challenges, right? Our population is very small. Our supply is limited. I don't think we have a choice but to invest in foreign talent. And then how do we do that easily, more easily than we're able to do today? And I think that's where our government representatives come in. I think that's where we as organizations and even individual citizens need to think about how we lobby our government, how we, we reach out to our MPs and MPPs to see how we can do this more effectively than we're able to do today, because our supply situation is not going to correct itself. At a company level, I think there are certain things that we can employ, certain things that we can do to try and just stand out a bit more and attract the limited supply of talent that there is today. 
And there's no magic here, right? Because there's no magic formula like do this and it will rain candidates. There just is no magic formula and magic solution. And it really boils down to a lot of hard work. I think companies really need to lean into their value proposition, right? Why does an individual want to leave their current employer and come and work for you? What is in it for them? And make it compelling, right? Previously, if you were floating around on LinkedIn and you'd see pictures of companies showing their offices and all the cool toys that they have in their offices and the snacks and all the amenities, that was great in a pre-pandemic world. Post-pandemic, that just doesn't cut it anymore. Individuals are not looking to be in the office. And I actually was in a conversation earlier this morning with some of my colleagues who are marketing professionals, and they were sort of sharing that when you go out with remote first, the engagement level on your postings, anything that you're putting out in social is going to be significantly higher. And I think employers need to understand and accept. I think they understand it, but I think a lot of organizations don't accept that the world has changed, right? So they're still leaning into what they've always known, show the office, talk about how we're hybrid, talk about how we can be in the office and how our office is really cool. It's just not cutting it anymore. It's just not. So you got to really lean into your value proposition, but you have to make sure that that value proposition actually speaks to the market and aligns to the realities of the current marketplace. And the other thing I would say is you have to take a step back and look at your recruitment process. And remove any obstacles or barriers to achieving speed. Because here's what I've observed over the last year. We see very little in terms of applicant flow. It's much harder to get a candidate to engage in your process. And you get them engaged. They're ready to interview. And lo and behold, there are scheduling issues or you have to make them jump through 10,000 hoops in order to be considered for the job or to get to an offer stage. And you just can't do that in this market. When you get a viable candidate, you have to move with speed. And that sometimes means taking a step back and objectively looking at your recruitment process and then making a commitment that you're going to eliminate all the steps that are completely unnecessary and that are not really adding value to your process. And part of that is sitting down and having a conversation with your business stakeholders and saying, do you really need this candidate to interview with 10 people? Because it's absolutely critical, because if you can't get it done in two or three interviews, then you you really have no business being in the interview process. Like, what more are you going to find out about this candidate that you can't cover in two to three interviews? Tops. And even three, I would say, is pushing it. So it's when you get them, you got to act with speed because they will literally disintegrate in your hands. There's just so many nuggets there of gold that you just talked about. And I've said it to people, we try to keep this podcast snackable for people, you know, 20 minutes, you walk around the block, but I'm thinking on everything that you just brought up and we could expand on, we could probably turn this into a three hour podcast, but I, <laughs> but I did want to get your opinion on something recently. And, and I won't say the name of the firm, but everybody would recognize the name major tech firm in Toronto recently had to let go of a ton of people and six months or a year ago, to your point earlier, where were the candidates? I mean, we'd, we'd put something out to find someone and you get crickets, nothing would come back. And now there's definitely a shift. So if you're an employer out there, Laura, and you're saying, okay, the market's shifting and, and over the next six months, and I'm looking for talent because I want to grow my company. What would you recommend to employers to what are the things they should be doing? I love this question. There are so many different things that an employer could do. And 
I'm going to keep it pretty high level because I don't want to give away all my tricks. We're certainly going to employ some of them, but it's about getting your message out there, right? Folks who have been, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot over LinkedIn over the last few days, like there are tons of posts about people who've been displaced and trying to get people connected. And I love this outpouring of support that you see it in the comments every time one of these posts go up. And I've done it too. I can't tell you how many people I have pinged in the last 48 hours saying, hey, come talk to us. We've got opportunities and we'd love to get to know you. But it's really about making sure that you can create a connection with these individuals that will withstand the test of time, right? So reaching out and then actually following through Mm -hmm. and using those connection points as opportunities to really showcase your employment brand. Again, without getting too detailed and sharing all of my tricks, you know, we've got a few things that we're cooking up at the moment to make contact with these individuals and help them understand what it would be like working with us. But this is really your opportunity to showcase your brand. And I would say, look for every opportunity to get in front of these individuals because they're probably overwhelmed with outreach today and that will fizzle over time. But they're going to remember the companies that came back to them time and time again and who were popping up in their newsfeed who were commenting on their posts, who were congratulating them when they land that next gig. They're going to remember the ones that keep showing up, whether or not they go to work with them today or tomorrow or the next day. They're going to remember the ones that maintain that connection and that have positive messages that use those opportunities to showcase their brand and give that individual sort of a view into who they are and what kind of company they are. Great advice. And I'm just hoping that after we push record, you can share some of those secrets with us. So you know, we're, so we're doing all the right things too. No, that's, that's great. Hey, Laura, I want to put you on the spot a little bit here. And I want to ask you something and get your opinion on it. If we're talking to some offices, some companies, some employers, you might hear, gee, I can't wait back. And now that COVID is, let's say, subsided over whatever you want to use. Um, I can't wait to get, to get back to normal. And of course, we've all heard about the new normal and what that means. I'm going to throw out that there is no going back to normal. And even the new normal isn't normal at all. I just see a lot of disruption in the whole way that uh, companies operate, the companies hire, just a lot of disruption for a long while. What are your thoughts on that? There are so many things that go through my mind. I almost cringe when I hear people talking about going back to normal. What was normal? I mean, what is normal? Normal is different things to different people. And I will tell you transparently what we're experiencing today with working from home and kind of rarely going into office or going into the office for purposeful activity. That's been my normal for the past 15 years. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to work for a professional services organization that was really one of the early adopters of not just work from home, but work from anywhere. So your job was portable. As long as you had a computer and a phone, you could work from anywhere. If your family circumstances, for example, required you to move across the country, your job went with you. It didn't matter what time zone you were in. And it didn't matter whether or not you were physically close to an office. And so I chuckle at these new normal questions because this has been my normal for 15 years. And it's been really interesting over the past two years to see people adapt to this kind of working from home and 
some of the challenges that I think people experience. I remember having a conversation with my team back in 2017 and telling them that I managed a team of 50 people that were geographically dispersed, right? The team was like between 35 and 50. We kind of um, went up and down depending on demand. And I remember having conversations with them and saying, we all work from home and we don't physically shut down the same way that you would if you were in an office, right? Five o'clock comes around, you close your laptop, you get on the train, you get in the car and you're going back home. It's a physical and mental shutdown. And we didn't have that because our home and our work were one and the same. And so I had to tell them, do the same thing that you would do if you went into an office, shut your computer down and walk away. My team was working until 11 o'clock every night. It wasn't healthy, wasn't sustainable. And so it's a really interesting to observe the rest of the market and the world sort of, you know, experience these things that we were experiencing many years ago. But back to your question about, you know, this new normal, I don't think there's ever going to be a normal again. I really don't. There are some companies who are holding steady to, I need to see everybody in the office, almost like I need to see the whites of your eyes to make sure that you're working. I think those are the organizations that are going to suffer the most over the next few years, right? There's been a candidate revolution. We have supply issues. They are simply going to struggle if they continue to hold steady to, I need everybody to physically be in an office. And then when we think about the economy and the fact that we're dealing with this crazy inflation, the cost of gas, the cost of food, the cost of everything, people are even less motivated to have to expend that much more of their money to physically go to work when they can be just as productive at home. And so I think employers are just going to have to accept that there is no more normal and that they're going to need to be flexible and they're going to need to adapt to the realities of the market if they want to stay in the game. Yeah, no, I I think you made some great points there. And I kind of liken it a little bit to what we've seen happen in technology. We've seen technology just get faster and faster and changing every day. It just seems to speed up. And now it seems like uh, part of the rest of the world is starting to go through that as well, uh, including labor, culture, company, all that. It's, it's the speed of change is catching up and changing just like technology did. Anyway, I appreciate your thoughts on that. That was great. Thanks. Laura, it would be interesting if maybe you'd uh, come back and join us again in the future, but it'd be interesting to see how the rest of 2022, because here we are halfway through, and it would be interesting to come back and have a conversation again in January and say, okay, what's changed again? Because to your point, to Al's point, there's no new normal even, right? I think there's going to be this series of disruptions and changes and, and we're going to have to adapt or, or change. So if you would be open to it, I know I would love to have this conversation again, maybe six months down the road and, and see what's changed. But I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing your journey. I always love these conversations. Personally, I know this will resonate with the audience as well. So what's the best way for people to reach out to you if you have any questions about yourself or what we chatted about here today? Absolutely. I would welcome any questions and certainly would love to come back and have a conversation and take another look in that rearview mirror and see how things actually shaped up. I'm very open to uh, anyone reaching out. I'm available on LinkedIn, Laura Alfano Victoria. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you reach out, I will absolutely respond. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that does it for another episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.